Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome, everybody, to the Playing Hooky Podcast. I'm Rachel, and I'm joined with Nathan. Hi, how are Nathan. you? Sorry, that was awkward. And then we have a special guest with us this week, Dixie Cochran. Dixie, welcome. Yay. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Dixie, why don't you tell uh, the folks listening a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I mean, the reason that we connected at all is because I'm one of the in-house developers at Onyx Path Publishing. Yeah, um, I'm in charge of the Chronicles of Darkness lines, so what we used to call New World of Darkness, uh, Vampire the Requiem, Age the Awakening, etc. Um, I'm glad I said the right mage. I often say the wrong mage. I'm really proud of myself right now. Congratulations. Um, I'm also in charge of Exalted, and I'm one of the co-hosts of Onyx Path Podcast, Onyx Pathcast. Yeah, and um, we, we met yeah. this year um, at Gen Con. Um, Nathan and I were walking the hall, and of course we spent a lot of time at the White Wolf and the Onyx Path booths just chatting with people, but also um, spending lots of money. And um, That's Dix- true. Yeah, Dixie was like super outgoing and super nice, and so we, we connected, and um, yeah, we, we were just able to kind of chat and make a connection, and um, thought she would be a cool person to have on this podcast because... I found out, you know, sort of roundabout by listening to um, Onyx Pathcast, but also just through conversations you and I had had, that you, like me, are a very big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) Such a big fan. Right. And Nathan had never really watched it before. So it was on my list of things to expose him to um, as we grow deeper in our relationship. In fact... um... Not only had I never watched the show, but I was only really familiar with the movie mm-hmm. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like I knew ah. the show existed, obviously, but like I was, uh, I was more uh, aware of the Christy Swanson. That's her name, right? Christy Swanson. Yeah. Okay. Christy Swanson. I was like, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, but good job, good job. Um, yeah. So like I enjoyed that movie, but Buffy kind of came out when I was at my most like broy vampire stage in my life, like. 97, I think, was when yeah. Buffy first came out. And uh, I was in high school, and I was, of course, anything that was slaying vampires, I was not cool with. <laughs> so, yeah. So I really never, I never gave it a chance. Um, and then it got to the point where it just had been out for too long, and I was like, well, I'm certainly not going to watch it now. Right. Um, so, Dixie, did you, when did you pick up with the show? Did you watch it ever when it was actually airing on TV, or did you just follow oh. up with it after? Oh, God, yeah. No, no, no. Tuesday night to 8 o'clock, I was in front of my television. Okay, okay. Um, I started watching it probably beginning of second season because my stepdad and my mom got together, started, you know, dating, and he was into it because he was into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got us watching it. So I started watching it probably 98, maybe? Um, yeah, I, I would have been 13. Okay. Which is the exact right <laughs> age to start watching Buffy. No, like, I agree, I agree. You know, because it's like your your kick-ass girl heroine. All the characters were always only about two, three years older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really, like, you know, related to them on a personal level. Because uh, by, by by the time they were all, like, juniors in high school, I was a freshman, you know, et cetera. So, yeah, so I, I started watching it um, pretty early. And, yeah, every, every Tuesday at 8, that was the thing. Even, like, one of my first boyfriends for a while, the ritual was that he would come over and watch it with me and my mom. <laughs> because he was super into it, too. But I've... I am all about uh, exposing people to it. I have gotten at least two people I've dated to watch it all the way through with me. Nice. Over the years. And I'm currently in the middle of a rewatch with my roommates. Um, I, I just made it with my best friend and her girlfriend, and uh, they've never seen it. Okay. So we're doing a trade where we're watching Buffy first, and then I'm going to watch Battlestar Galactica for Laura because that's our favorite show. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've seen... I've never seen. I, I've only seen the first season. Um, I used to work at a Half Price Books um, many years ago, and um, when you were an employee there, you could like check out the material before it got put on the floor mm-hmm. um, for sale. And so one day, like the first season of um, Battlestar Galactica, the new one came in, and I just checked it out, and I marathoned. It was great. And that's actually how I got all of my seasons of Buffy that I own, too, is from working at Half Price Books and people just selling them. And then, you know, you got an employee discount. So I was able to pick up, like, all all the seasons of Buffy. But you guys both, like, so so you have an advantage over me for sure because I did not find out about Buffy. Well, I, found, I knew about it, but I didn't start watching it until I was actually in college. So my best friend, um, she and I met our junior years of undergrad, and um, – She's a huge Joss Whedon person. You know, I think Firefly had already come out and gone off the Mm -hmm. air and Serenity had just become a thing. 
And um, she and I became friends and then I went and studied abroad and then I came back and she was like one of the only per- people around uh, when I got back after the, my semester abroad. And she's like, oh my God, have you seen Buffy before? And I'm like, well, no, I, I never, I like vampires and I like horror, but I just, I, I, I don't know. Like I never watched it. And I like, I probably did not do well the following semester in college just because <laughs> she was like my Buffy dealer. Like she had all the seasons on DVD and um, I would like, you know, write a paper or study for a test. And that would be like my little reward. I'd go down to her dorm room and um, like ask, beg her for a new another disc. Uh, so right. I watched I watched all the seasons, um, probably like my junior, senior year of college. I watched them all and I was I was hooked. Like I loved it. I'm like, where has this been all my life? This like if I had seen it in high school, I feel like I would have had a very different high school experience because um Honestly, like just like what you said, like Buffy is such a strong like female character and female role model. And like mm-hmm. look, looking back, like I, I won't say that the, the the characters necessarily were progressive for the time, but in like my small town that I grew up in, it would have been very progressive. And I think like it would have been empowering to see like you know like Willow getting into a romantic relationship with another woman and and kind of seeing like the the struggles and the trials and tribulations that that Buffy and the other characters were having in their personal relationships um right. I think it would have been like really impactful had I seen it as a teenager um but I I love the show I'm really glad I saw it now so that being said Dixie and I have been shooting emails back and forth for a couple of weeks and trying to come up with you know the, the the best episodes to expose you to Nathan right. um to get you get your foot in the door with Buffy and and you know honestly like probably i would say 25 to 50% of every single season <laughs> you could have watched and we would have thought like yeah this is the best part of this season but we had to narrow it down cuz you're you're a man with responsibilities so we picked three episodes um the wish from season 3 mm-hmm. the prom from season 3 and Hush yes. from season four. Yes. And so um, I don't know if you want to kind of tell us a little bit about your overall well, impressions. I'll s- kick it off to so you. So first, let me ask, um, for both of you, why did you pick these particular episodes? Um, what 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 kind of like stood out for you guys about these episodes? Yeah, okay. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say my, my part of this. We actually kicked back and forth a ton of episodes because the problem is... How, how spoilery can we be on this podcast? Do you want to watch the rest of it without knowing anything, Nate? Well, um, I, I, there's Wikipedia, so I'm not, I'm not spoiler concerned. Like, it's been out yeah. for 20 years. And, I can... okay. <laughs> right. And for anybody that's listening, if you don't want Buffy the Vampire Slayer spoilers, we have, what, nine other episodes you can go back and listen to. <laughs> and we'll probably in a couple weeks have another podcast I, out. But honestly, so it's been I, off the air for over yeah, 15 years or something. So. That's what I was going to say. Like, at this point, if you haven't seen Buffy, which I didn't, I mean, there's a girl who kills vampires. Right. Like, let's figure right. it out. So, no, well, go yeah, there, There's big plot twists and things. So, the, the issue is, these are, aside from maybe Hush, well, Hush, Hush and the Wish are often on, like, top 10 episode lists. Right. Um, That's like the first episode that like uh, um, if you if you ask someone like, oh, what episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer should I have someone watch? It's like, hush, like a couple of people I consulted. That was their number one episode. Right. So we wanted to do a couple of the the big, really awesome ones, um, which is why Hush and the Wish. The issue is that all the other ones we kept throwing around, I kind of realized that they were all episodes in which the characters weren't acting like themselves or weren't talking. Right. Which is why we picked the prom. Because it, it's a good, it's a standard Buffy episode. It's got some drama. It's got a monster of the week. It's got some funny dialogue. It's got some snappy bits. But like, you know, I, I, I wanted you to watch Graduation Day Part 1 and 2. I wanted you to watch Once More With Feeling. But Once More With Feeling has no impact if you haven't seen the rest of the show. Yeah. Right. Um, one of the best episodes of Buffy of all time is a, is called The the Body. Right. And it's, it's an episode where her mother dies. And yeah. it is the hardest to watch episode of television I've ever seen in my entire life. Like I, 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 I cry through the whole thing. Yeah. It's such it's a, a, it's such a departure from the rest of the show that it, it, it is like, I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a gorgeous episode of television, but once again, I, I didn't want you to see any episodes with Dawn because you don't know who she is and she makes no sense if you don't watch all the shows. Right. So, yeah. To be so fair, she kind of doesn't make and... sense if you do watch all the shows, but uh, that's, that's, that's an argument for another day. So we, we kind of landed on this where The Wish is a really fun episode because it is like alternate Sunnydale and you get Vampire Willow and Vampire Xander and all that. Um, 
the you know that's that's also kind of a Cordelia focused episode mm-hmm. for the first fifteen minutes, um, and then we have the prom, or like I said, monster of the week, lots of fun dialogue, interesting character choices, and then Hush is just a gorgeous episode of, of television. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of how we landed on these three, but. We kicked around several episodes before doing so. So um, let me ask you a question, too. Um, I, I heard you, Rachel, refer to the like the, the crew, the Buffy crew, as like the Scooby gang or mm-hmm. something like that. Scooby is that, gang. Yeah. So is that just a reference to Scooby-Doo? Or is that like, is there some like in-world reason why they go back? Because I was, I was doing a little post-watching cheating mm-hmm. by going on Wikipedia to kind of like, you know, understand what was going on when they made the episode and i saw them refer to that as well but i didn't see an explanation for it yeah so basically like buffy and her friends are i think they do refer to themselves as the scoobies and that's kind of been the um and it's not like overt like they don't say like we're the scoobies but it's come up a couple times in the show and then that's just that's kind of how it's like a gaggle of geese that's how you refer to them as a group right like instead of buffy and her friends the scooby gang so yeah, yeah, it it just kind of became a thing where like one of them made the joke at one point in season one or two maybe, mm-hmm. and then after that you just that's what you call them. They are they're the Scooby Gang. Yeah, or you know the I, during once more with feeling. I know at one point Xander refers to you know Anya as the cutest of the Scoobies. Yep. So yeah, it's a it's a common phrase in the show. Yeah. All right. So my my perspective on the things that I've I've seen. This is going to be long winded and feel free to jump in as you as you choose. But um, so, again, I'd never seen Buffy before. Um, My only experience was the movie and like the Paul Rubens and Rutger Hauer. Right. right. And so um, I liked that movie. So I don't don't really understand. I, I think that when this came out, I wasn't really hanging out at home watching a lot of TV for various reasons. Um, so like I said, just never really got into watching the show. Um, but I had friends that watched it, but you know, didn't really know anything about it. Um, so the first episode that we watched was the wish, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And, um, immediately I was like, oh, this is kind of like not a show for me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like it didn't really call Like I understood what it was and I was like, okay, this could be entertaining. Um, if I was involved in this show, right? Like we kind of tune in and if you're already invested, you like care about what these people are doing in their lives and their breakups and their what have you's Mm -hmm. me as a, just a random entrant into the show. I was like, I don't really care. But, um, then there's this wish that happens, right? And like, you can kind of see it building up to it. And, um, I think that like the, the, the part of the show before the wish was like saccharine enough for me to like actually enjoy what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like, there's a whole tonal shift. Right. There's so like, it's kind of like a, a classic twilight zoney monkey's paw type scenario where um, Cordelia is just broken up with Xander and it's something really embarrassing and horrible has happened to her. Like just her social life is decimated after this, but she's also suffered like a really bad injury. Like I believe in the episode one episode or two episodes before she's been like stabbed and she's like recovering from yeah, that. Yeah, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so um, I had to <laughs> like, I, I paused the episode halfway through and explained to Nate, you know, what a vengeance demon was and, and kind of how Anya became a vengeance demon and what have you. So, you know, Cordelia so scorned that, um, Anya, this vengeance demon shows up and and gets her to wish for something. Instead of wishing ill upon Xander, she wishes that Buffy Summers had never come to Sunnydale, and then chaos yeah, ensues. So, like the <laughs> the first part of the episode was like a little difficult for me to like keep focused on. Like I was I was starting to like kind of ADD a little bit, and I was like picking up the phone. But it's honestly because like I'd never seen the show before. I didn't start at the beginning, and I think one comment that I made to you was. Like, well, now I have to watch the show from the beginning, because if I don't, I won't know every single detail about what's happening. Um, but that might be a while. But anyways, she encounters Cordelia, and Cordelia Cordelia is like this vengeance demon. Anya is the vengeance demon. Okay, I'm sorry. No, That's fine. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. I'm just, so, you've seen precisely three episodes of this yeah, show. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying you to, from mixing up two characters. Right. I'm just so, trying to keep you yeah, on yeah. task. Sorry. So Cordelia is the one making the wish? Correct. Okay. I got it. <laughs> so um, anyways, what happens? 
um, essentially reality is altered, right? To, to mm -hmm. fit this wish. And we get that like Buffy never moved to, you know, the town that they live in and the town that they live in has gone to shit. Yeah. It's, it's like a, you know, it's like a post vampire wasteland. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly I'm fully invested. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, so, so Nate learned a new word, hellmouth. Do you remember what a hellmouth is? Uh, I, I assume it's a mouth to hell. Kind of, yeah. Like it's like it's sort of like there is a gate or an yeah. entrance to hell, and there's one under and around Sunnydale, right? And so that's why there's so much occult and demon and vampire activity, and why it Buffy is, needs to go there. It is specifically under the school. Yeah. What a strange is, thing. Mm. So yeah, yeah. So anyways. Um, these characters who, um, like Willow and Xander, they're characters that were like, quote unquote, introduced to beforehand, but like everybody who's watching already knows them. I was introduced to them and I was like, oh, these characters are kind of like, Meh. and then we turn into this new world and now they're just like these callous kind of ruthless, cold blooded vampires. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like I'm digging this. And then. Um, there's like some like head vampire, some like obviously older, more, much more powerful, very ugly vampire. And I'm like, who's yeah. that guy? And He's then, the master. Yeah. He was supposed to be killed in season one by Buffy, but in this universe. And that's, that's, yeah. a, that's literally the conversation we had. I'm like, who's this guy? Rachel tells me. So I'm like, okay, cool. So there's like some awesome, badass vampires. And, um, uh, the one thing that I really enjoyed about it was, um, the girl who made the wish ends up getting killed in her own wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like almost immediately, which I thought was a really fun plot to us when I first saw it. Yeah. It's like, she, she shows up and all her friends are like, why the fuck are you wearing bright colors? And she's like, uh, what are you talking about? And like, like she kind of learns about the reality. And then right as she kind of tells Giles, you know, you've got to go find Buffy. She gets immediately just murdered. And, I think, and then the rest of the episode plays out without her. Right. And I think that that part is really cool because I don't think that up until that part in this show, I realized that about vampires, like within, you know, the mythos of, of the Buffyverse, that they were attracted to bright colors like that. I, I feel like you got to learn a lot about vampire behavior, almost like vampire husband, husbandry 101 from this episode, just because, you know, a lot of the characters are vampires or are affected in different ways by this world that's been taken over by them. What's, what's really funny is that I never actually incorporated that bright colors thing into my mythos. I thought it was just more of a, like, everybody knows kind of urban legend. Like, everyone knows oh. that garlic repels them, but then it doesn't. But yeah. I could be wrong. I have no idea. No, no, no. Um, that makes, that could make sense, too. Like, it's just something that, like, there was a correlation without a causation and people just ran with it. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting, too. Did, did you explain to Nate how... Um, how vampires work in this universe how like they're they're gone the like human portion is gone because that's that's what's always really interesting to me yeah so I, I think what i told him and feel free to like expand on this or correct me but basically what i said was that when you become a vampire when you are turned into a vampire your soul has left your left your body and essentially your dead body is filled with a demon and the demon is a yeah. vampire so exactly that's that's pretty different than a lot of your traditional or non-traditional, whatever you want to call it, um, vampire <clears throat> stories or mythologies. It's different than obviously World of Darkness and you know Bram Stoker and all that. It's it's a really different take. So it's yeah. almost like the vampire is some sort of amorphous soul demon that's inhabiting the body of a of a corpse, right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that question did come up. Um, I don't know if it came up in this episode because I was just kind of like I I think the first episode we watched here, I was kind of just like, well, they're vampires, whatever, you know, they're, who, mm -hmm. who wouldn't want to, you know, rule the night and, right. you know, do and, all the evil shit that vampires do. And I think I did explain in this episode, like I paused it and I kind of went off on a diatribe about Angel and how, what the deal was with him and his soul. I think it was the next episode. Was it the next episode? Yeah, because okay. I'm, I'm trying to think in this episode, like the He's vampires. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know who he was. I just was like, oh, he's a guy, whatever. Um, I didn't know who he was. He was in the episode, but he played like a smaller role because he was like being tortured. Right. And then Buffy lets him out. But like, it wasn't enough for me to go, who's this guy? Like, I just was like, eh, he's a guy in the episode. I don't know. Right. He had five seasons of his own television show. Come on. But, it was called Angel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know, but I also didn't, I never saw that. So I, I never, I didn't jump on like the the WB train until 
like midway through Supernatural. I know Supernatural is not related to Buffy at all, but like it's along the same vein, yeah. right? It's just like yeah. Supernatural is like a little bit more. Um, no, I can't even say that. I was going to say it's a little bit more serious. It's really not. It's like it's along this. I think it's like they use better film, um, <laughs> but that's that's about it. But like um, I would say probably like third or fourth season. That's where I was like, oh, there's interesting things happening on this channel. Um, right. So Supernatural, I, I watched, but I just never got to like Buffy or any of the other stuff because it just was like it was a bit older and yeah, it just never really stuck out to me. But now, obviously, through the help of this great podcast. <laughs> um, so anyways, um, the the girl who makes the wish gets murdered. And I was like, what what is happening right now? Because normally if if like you got killed in your in your fantasy or your alternate reality, like that was it. Mm-hmm. But it was like they they showed like, oh, no, there's like shit at stake here. Like, this is the reality now. Yeah. And so the rest of the, the um, I don't remember who it was that like actually snatched like the, the, the necklace and kind of like fixed everything. It was Giles. Yeah. Okay. So um, also just as a side note, like Giles, I'd said this yesterday when we were watching the other episode, I was like, is his name Giles? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, I don't, I think that's like, just, it occurred to me in my head. Like, <laughs> like that character's name is Giles He's... because it has to be. <laughs> his name is Rupert Giles. Yeah. So yeah. Giles is his last name, but yeah. So he definitely comes off as a Giles. But um, <laughs> so uh, the show goes back to, to like, to normal, to like the normal reality of the show um after a bunch of like really important things i'm not going to mention every detail but the one thing that really struck me was that the demon mm-hmm. who was it like who had made everything happen like she loses her power right mm-hmm. and then that's kind of like where the episode ends and because i didn't watch the, like the next episode along the line i don't really know at this point like what, what happened what happened to her um but I was very, I was very entertained by like the bleak kind of um, like the dark tone of where the episode went because mm-hmm. it was like very much like high schooly at the beginning. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, I'm not, you know, not really, mm-hmm. you know, I'm almost a 40 year old man. Like it's not really mm-hmm. my <laughs> thing, but, um, but the the episode did a, did like a very good thing where it it stirred my interest enough to go I wonder what else is happening in this show um so like that that was that one mm-hmm. um and then uh we went I think the next one we watched was the prom yep and um so now we kind of get like a more formal introduction to Angel yeah yeah so I think the episode starts with Buffy and Angel kind of cuddling in bed and it's the beginning of of Angel coming to the realization that like, it's like the heart wrenching thing of him being like, Oh, if I love her, I have to let her go. And he's just starting, he's just starting to like come to terms with that. I'm going to be a cynic here and say, it's the realization of there. He decided to make a TV show called Angel. And so they had to figure out a way to get him (laughs) off of the show by the end of season three. Good good point. Good point. Good point. Cause this is the episode right before graduation day one and two. Right. Which is Um, like, yeah. So this is like, almost the finale right and nate commented as we got about halfway through the episode and he's like is this angel's last episode it seems like he's leaving and i'm like oh almost (laughs) he's leaving two two episodes hence yeah he walks off into the fog and right right becomes a detective in la Mm -hmm. yeah which i actually think i mean and i said this to him a couple days ago i i really think that you would probably like angel at least the first three seasons of angel more than you would like certain parts of buffy because it is sort of like a gumshoey more dude accessible show at least in the beginning it kind of goes off the rails in the last two seasons but it's still good so i will say if you ever want to watch buffy and you want to skip all of the really terrible campy episodes i once made a list for a friend (laughs) of the ones you have to watch from seasons one and two before you get into like watching pretty much all of three on yeah um because she was like oh yeah i went into buffy but i heard like there's some episodes that are really hard to get through because they're so campy and crappy and i'm like yes yes there are because it is the first season of a show from 97. Right. So I ended up making this list where I was like, here, watch these five episodes from season one that just takes you through the like master arc. Mm-hmm. And then here's the angel arc from season two. Right. It's all the monster of the weeks. And then season three, you can skip a few and maybe just start watching it from season four on, you know? Yep. 
Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I now have added this show to my list anyways. Um, but, um, as you're probably familiar with, I, I suffer from the same sort of malady that most like nerds, most hardcore nerds about things get wherein I have to watch every single thing. So okay, no, I get that. He's a completionist. Yeah, eventually yeah. I will watch this entire show. However, this whole podcasting thing has really put a hamper on my not doing anything but laying in one place and binge watching things. But I'll, I will get to it someday. So, you will have a vacation. I, spoiler alert: <laughs> uh, Nate's going to watch the whole show. So um, <laughs> uh, with the prom, um, this is this is the episode where I kind of. Um, I, I kind of started to understand something and I, I think it's, it's like the one major turnoff that I have for most vampire related things. Mm-hmm. And, and it's that the vampires in the show are kind of like incidental and they're kind of punk bitches. <laughs> um, one thing that I think is really common in most media where vampires are the villains, there comes a point where they just become this sort of like interlude this like distraction from everything else or like oh there's a guy with snarly teeth just stab him in the chest and he's dead like it's the same reason why i had like major issues with blade right Mm -hmm. it's like where where like i've always seen vampires as kind of like the central focus like that should be what the story is told around um but in a lot of ways they're just sort of like just like nasty snarly enemies with no real like there's no real danger to them. So for me, that's always been like the major turnoff, but um, it's not just the show. It's just like, that's just pop culture in general. In a lot of ways, it's like zombie shows don't really focus around the zombies. They just focus around like, Oh, we got to kill these zombies real quick so we can get back to dialogue. Right. I accept that. Like that's, that is what it is. But for me, especially like when this show would have been popular, you know, that's when I was like, I was at my most like I go every like four days a week to LARP like I am the van. No, it's it's not the same thing. So um, but anyways, I kind of I started to understand like this is a show that's that's like very dialogue heavy that there's like they're telling stories, but they're not really telling stories about vampires or really even about vampire hunters, just kind of like the struggle that they go through in their lives and the setting mm-hmm. happens to be this. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like what I was getting from this show from this episode. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I can also say like, this is kind of my least favorite of the three that we yeah, watched. Okay. Yeah. It was, it, it was my least favorite because it was very like, there was a lot of like, you know, relationship things and, and there was a lot of like in continuity stuff that I was just like, all right, let's like, let's get to the, to the action. And then we get to the action and it's just kind of like, we're just like murdering vampires very easily. So, um, however, there was a very brilliant thing that I saw in this that redeemed the episode for me completely. And it was a VCR comment. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't remember which character it was, but, um, I know that the guy Xander, (laughs) he's like showing some footage on a VCR and she's like, zoom in. Cause Cordelia. Yeah. And, and he's, he's like, it's a VCR. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) He lost his shit. He laughed so hard when that happened. He was like, he was dying. It was really funny. Yeah. But, but this, this also, this episode was where I, I sort of learned more stuff about this show. Mm -hmm. That's why I wanted you to watch like one episode where they were just acting like themselves because honestly, like it's weird. Some of the most brilliant episodes of Buffy either require a lot of backstory or they are episodes where they're not being themselves. There's a great episode called uh, something blue where everybody gets like mind washed and Buffy thinks she's marrying this dude. And it's hilarious. Yeah. An episode called Tabla Rasa where they all wake up once again with like a, a, a mind wipe thing. Right. And uh, like Spike, who is a vampire, who is amazing, um, thinks that he's Giles' son. And right. like, it's, it's like all, all those are really great and they're really good episodes, but they're definitely like, I just want to present you with three episodes where it's like, here they are acting nothing like they usually do or not talking. Right. Yeah. That, but I think the prom is a good, you, you used, you picked a great one, Dixie, because I think the prom is, is one where it, it is a little campy and it is a little cheesy, but they're acting like themselves and you need absolutely no backstory yeah. 
to understand who these characters are in that episode. Yeah. Well, so. and, and, and like for me, and you um, get all the characters, like even her mom is in it. Like mm-hmm. you get the only character that you don't get is, well, maybe Spike isn't in he's it. Not he's it. not yeah, in he's it. Not it. Spike but, leaves in season two. It doesn't come back until season four. Right. So Spike's not in it and Tara's not in it. Obviously Dawn's not in it, but all the other characters who are important are in that episode. So, right. Um, this one, uh, with like the whole hellhound thing, mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was uh, very entertaining. But also, you know, it was kind of like one of those they they get from point A, which is like um, Angel and Buffy kind of like going their separate ways and like kind of doing the whole breakup thing. And he's like, "I'm a vampire. I'm gonna live forever. You're not. You you know you you can we can never have kids. Like the you know the there's very standard like." I am an immortal. You are not an immortal. Here's why we can't work long term. Um, and then the the whole hellhound thing, which I thought was brilliant. Like you you trained hellhounds to attack people in formal wear. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like okay, like that's that's fantastic. Um, but uh, like sort of using that, like it wasn't really it wasn't a crisis that was difficult to curtail. Like she kind of just got in and was like, I'm gonna beat you up now. Like you're what what the hell, but like how they got from point a to point B where they're like kind of at the prom and they're like, all right, well, we're just going to enjoy the prom and you know, tomorrow we'll deal with whatever comes, but like, you know, one last night. And I was like, Oh, you know, this is interesting. Like obviously they built up. I'd really like to go back and see, how they got to this point. Like, you know, where did yeah. this relationship formulate? And for me, I was like, wait a minute, he's a vampire. Aren't vampires evil? And then you were yeah. like, you, you, you had to like, t- to explain to me, like, this is what happened. This is why. And so I really enjoyed that. But all in all, um, I understand why it was kind of sandwiched in the middle because then we moved on to hush. Right. Right. So I will say my, my enrollment in the prom. Um, so you Jonathan Levinson is the character that gives her the umbrella. Um, a, I love him. B, he comes back in season six and he's amazing. Um, but my, what what I love in that episode more than anything else is when they give her the class protector umbrella. Right. Um, I always cry a little bit. Like I always tear up because you go through this whole, the, the first three seasons of her going from sophomore to senior year, um, kind of thinking that all the kids just think she's weird and don't realize what she's doing. And so the fact that like the class recognizes her for like being someone that's always helping out even if they don't really talk about it is really cool and it also leads into the finale where spoilers she gets the class to help fight a giant demon like she gets her entire graduating class to help and so that's a really cool moment because that does kind of like segue into that she's going to get them to help her because otherwise why the hell would they help buffy summers the weird girl with no friends you know or with two friends um yeah, I've, I've always loved that 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 moment where it's just like, hey, we do see you. Like, just so you know, we live in a weird town. We know, you know? Yeah. Prin- one of our principals got eaten by wild dogs, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aw. <laughs> oh, man. Principal Flutie. Right, Principal Flutie. Um, I actually think that that was a really clever thing that they, the writers and the creators of the show did, too. Because I don't know if you guys experienced it. Nathan, I, I'm guessing the answer to this for you is no. But I definitely experienced this in high school where I was definitely the weird kid, uh, freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And then senior year of high school, like, everybody just began to kind of chill out and not give a fuck anymore about, like, the labels and the drama and you know, the bullying and stuff like that. Like it was just that last year where it's like there, there were no more stakes, right? Like the stakes were low. We were all who we were going to be and we were all going to graduate and leave soon. So no one was really like pushing on anyone else. Right. And so people started to be a little bit more accepting and like a, a little more chill about like, if you were a weird kid and you did weird kid things, or if you were in band or if you were gay or if you were the jock, right? Like, None of that that started to just start to disappear. And I think it was really clever how they did that at the end of the show, too, because I think um, a lot of people, at least, you know, growing up when we were growing up, that that probably is their high school experience where there's just like all this weirdness and awkwardness and and you're hormonal and you don't understand yourself and your body and just like everyone hates you and everyone, everyone, regardless of what your social status is, kind of feels like shit all the time on the inside. And, mm-hmm. and you're all making each other feel that way for like three whole years of your adolescence. And then your senior year, things just start to begin to calm down. 
and you're just able to kind of start to breathe a little bit. And I like that, like, you know, at the prom, like no one really had to worry about their social standing by interacting with Buffy or the Scoobies, right? Like everyone could kind of start to chill and that's what enables them to be able to help her and kind of form this, this little army of students. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, I thought that was cool. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's well done, but yeah, I, I had a similar high school experience, but I actually left high school and did the whole GED thing and then went to college because of how awful high school was. Um, so well, I you're not alone in that. No, you're, you're definitely not alone in that. <laughs> I was gonna, so yeah, I, I, I did not have it. the senior year, uh, chill out experience. No, I definitely no. had the, I'm never going to school again. And then I finally went to college and I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool because people want to be here. Right. All right. Yeah. But I didn't go until I was, you know, in my I, yeah, early I think 20s. I think our our experiences is pretty similar in that regard cuz uh yeah, I I I had the the halfway through junior year cool off when I was like I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean cuz I was just that weird kid that dressed all in black and played a lot of Vampire the Masquerade. Like yeah. that was oh, that was my high school experience. That's weird. We have a similar high school experience. Yeah. My 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 I I was not that person in high school. I was the person who was um had a chip on their shoulder from having a learning disability. And I was like, I'm going to do this, God damn it. I'm going to be the best one here. And that that's really what drove me to finish. Uh, but it was, it sucked. Every single moment of it sucked and I couldn't wait for it to be over. <laughs> so. I can see that. So one of the, one of the, uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that um, I had difficulty with as, uh, um, you know, someone in their thirties watching this show, I had a hard time wrapping my brain around these actors being teenagers. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I listened to a podcast called Hellmouthy. Um, Cause I, I, I don't only watch Buffy. I listened to a podcast where they went through and dissected every episode of Buffy um, <laughs> because that's who I am as a person. And in Hellmouthy, they're constantly calling out the actors, real ages, especially in the first three seasons. Oh my I gosh. I think that Charisma Carpenter who plays Cordelia is like, 27 or 28 when the show starts which means that by season three she's like fully 30 right the other ones are a little closer they're 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 more like early 20s at this point but that's the one that always kills me is like the fact that she's 30 which is why i like that when they move her to angel and like that's more believable to me because i'm like okay she wouldn't be a college freshman she's literally like 32 years old right yeah the one that um kind of shocked me i don't i don't remember the actress's name but um the actress that plays willow like She's been steady acting since the you know mid nineties, like yeah. without without break. Yeah, um, but I I was like, she's the only one that I can really believe might be fifteen or sixteen years old, and she was like the oldest one on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's a great actress. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Mm-hmm. It, but I I was just like I was like oh yeah she's really convincing as a teenager, but like Sarah Michelle Gellar looks so much older, but. Then I looked it up and I was like, oh, she, she was like only like two or three years outside of her character's age. I think that that probably had something to do, too, with the way that they um, dressed them. So Willow, especially like season two, season three, she's very much got the whole like bib overalls thing going on that was really popular in the mid to late 90s. Um, but Buffy always kind of dressed like someone was taking her to Nordstrom Rack on the weekends, right? Well, like she, Buffy dresses like someone who grew up in L.A. and has a mom who's an art director. Right, yeah. And Willow dresses like a, you know, Jewish honor roll student right. from, you know, 1997. And that's that's kind of the whole point. And then Xander dresses like a slob and slowly gets a little better over the seasons. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the styling in the show is, is is a big part of that too. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, so for Cordelia, they all, you know she's supposed to be rich. They always have her like designer stuff, right? Because her, her dad's rich, and I'm like, okay, I can kind of buy that. It's like Cher and Clueless, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Buffy, a little bit funkier, still fashion sense. I understand she's from LA. She's probably got a better fashion sense than the people from Sunnydale, which is a much smaller town. And then Willow really is like. She dresses like she's six in the first season. Right. There were times when I'm like, "What are you? Why are you wearing that? Like, come on, you are a, you're 15 or 16 years old. Mm-hmm. You would not be wearing that." But then over the season, she kind of gets her own style too. Mostly starting in season four, she gets a lot better when she goes off to college and is not living with her parents anymore. Right. So, yeah. And, oh, Willow's so sweet. You remember, like, I forget the name of the episode, but it's the one where it's like the Halloween party, and like she she never got the memo that you should dress sexy, and so she dresses up like a full ex Eskimo when they go to the bronze. 
And um, that's the cultural exchange episode. That's a Inca mummy girl. Oh, that's Inca mummy um, girl. And they're all supposed to be different cultures, and she shows up as an Eskimo, and that's the first time Oz ever sees her. And right. goes, who is that girl? Right, right. And so she's a little embarrassed because she didn't get the sexy Halloween costume memo, and uh, that's what kind of gets the attention of her love interest in later seasons. So anyway, Nathan. Anyway, hush, 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 hush. Yes. About hush. <laughs> I love Hush. So, I'm telling uh, you to Hush. I want to talk about Hush. No, no, absolutely. So um, Hush, the episode. Um, first, I'm introduced to Spike. Yeah. Yeah. Who I, 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 like, I was like, why is Billy Idol in this episode? Uh, Billy Idol stole his look from Spike. That's an actual line in the show. Yeah. That's, and that's fair. And that, that's, that's part of the... Uh, that's, that's, see, those, those are the <laughs> kind of entertaining... That, that's the kind of stuff you can yeah. do with, like, vampire mythos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, who's this? So, again, it's kind of one of those things where I'm like, oh, aren't vampires evil? And then Rachel had to, like, should pause and go, all right, here's where we are right now. Here's what's going on. A and B and C and D. Not He's got important. a chip in right. his head. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. So he can't, he can't like kill people. He can't do any of that stuff. And I'm like, okay, so awesome. That's fun. Um, we go through the episode. Um, there, it seems as if, uh, you know, at the beginning, it's just, uh, it's kind of just a lot of like standard, you know, Buffy type of stuff. And um, there's like a, a dream. Like she, yeah. she, she falls asleep in the class, um, but she doesn't, she, they don't kind of present it that way at the beginning. She's um, in class. And, and I was kind of like, I was like, what's going on right now? Cause the teacher like has her lay down on a table and this guy comes over and kisses her. And then there's like nobody in the room. And I'm like, what's going on, Rachel? And she's like, shut up and watch. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm watching, I'm watching. And then there's like some weird little girl and she's seeing some like Freddy Krueger esque kind of, like one, two, Fred, you know, I, whatever um, she sings. The lines are can't even shout, can't even cry. The gentlemen are coming by, looking in windows, knocking on doors. They need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't go to mom, can't say a word. You're going to die screaming, but you won't be heard. And and that's why we have Dixie on the podcast. That's exactly right. Because if we're going to talk about Yeah. <laughs> like 22 times, like honestly. <laughs> so um, I, I, I'm thoroughly uh, invested. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? It's real weird. And, um, so the episode kind of moves on and, um, you can tell that there's this, this weird love interest. It's not, not really weird. I mean, it's a standard kind of like tension between uh, Buffy and this teacher's aide. And I, um, we come to learn, and I don't know if you learned for the first time, I doubt it, but I learned for the first time, oh, this guy's like in the military or something. And he's part of like some military task force um, that... The audience knew at that point, but this is when Buffy finds out. Right. But the audience did know because we've we've seen him and his people separately outside of Buffy's watching um go talk to the psych teacher who is their, you know, actual like, you know, commander and whatever. Right. And the way I explained it to Nate, I was like, Okay, so you know how like in V five the government knows that vampires are real? <laughs> Buffy did it first. <laughs> she, she, she literally threw that at me. And I was like, yeah, okay. The initiative is a second inquisition. Yeah, basically. Um, so uh, we, we go through and then um, we, I don't really remember what happened, but um, everybody goes to sleep and then there's these weird. Um, they're called the, the gentlemen. gentlemen. Right, yeah. right. And they're like these tall, smiling, Victorian dressed, like ghoulish looking like like part Nosferatu part like I, I it's hard to describe them but they're like these tall silvery spindly very creepy looking gentlemen mm -hmm. and yeah they, I, I think they said that some of the um the inspirations for the costumes were you know Victorian vampires the actual movie Nosferatu and uh Mr. Burns from oh yeah. yeah yeah so the noses and the and the steeple tans Right. And it's at this point that I geeked out hardcore and I was like, it's Doug Jones. Doug it Jones. Is Doug yeah. Jones. And I was like, I was like, and I like, I then I proceeded to list off all of the characters that Doug Jones had ever played. And Nathan was like, are we going to keep watching the episode? Or are you just going to like wax poetic <laughs> about Doug Jones? <laughs> so anyway. Um, so uh, these very atmospheric, creepy, like disturbing gentlemen, um, it, it appears as if they perform some sort of ritual and the ritual essentially steals everyone's voice. It's like a breath that comes out of them and it like locks them in this box. 
And mm-hmm. so everyone wakes up the next day and no one can talk. And it's not that people are deaf. There's still noise and, you know, dishes clanking and things being knocked over, but no one can actually like, you can still even hear them breathe, but their voices are just gone uh, yeah. as the gentlemen have stolen it. And, um, you know, of course, as a, as someone who's never seen it before, I'm like, huh, that's weird. I wonder, I wonder what they're, they're going to do now. Like, this is bizarre. And, um, so everybody's kind of struggling and you can see that the town is kind of breaking down because people can't talk. And some people are reacting to it by just like wallowing in their own depression. Some people like, you know, their businesses are shut down. Like it, it creates this crisis because, the thing that we depend on to communicate is no longer there for these people. And so it has a massive effect locally. Um, and what's, what's funny is you find out like, it's just this town. It's not even, it's not like everybody in the world lost their voice. It's just this town. And, uh, there's like a news report on it. And so you, you start to watch like how that plays out. And then the gentlemen begin their quest of, of like taking people's hearts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, what is the motivation here? Like, I, you know, it's one of those things like I'm trying to understand. And, you know, of course they are in the show as well. And they're trying to do it in a way that is obviously we've already mentioned it a bunch of times. It's very, very interesting how they deal with a show that has no dialogue on like network television for like the better part of the episode or like, like over a half an hour, there's like no words. Yeah. I think it's like, 38 minutes of silence in this one right so i have there's there's a I think i read online a while back where um this this episode was actually in part a direct response to people telling joss whedon that his show was all dialogue and nothing else mm. and that was all i had going for it and he was just kind of like well screw you then here's an episode with none and then it won um, a bunch of awards <laughs> well yeah this is the only one that ever got nominated for a writer's emmy which i think is hilarious because there's only 17 minutes of dialogue and it got nominated for outstanding writing for an emmy right um which is, which is great because it's like that's a weird episode of buffy to pick for that but okay yeah it, it, but um, it's so funny too because it's literally funny like that's what i'm trying to say i'm not like <laughs> that's not a preposition yeah. or something like it's a really funny episode and largely because of just like the actions and the the, the face the facial expressions and and you know whoever directed this did a great job i can't remember who it was but I mean, it's just such a funny episode, too. And and in addition to being, like, really chilling and scary and having, like, tense moments, um, there's one part where Giles has this sort of of out-of-town girlfriend who we've not really (laughs) met before who's coming to... Olivia. Olivia, yeah, who's coming to to spend the weekend with him from overseas. And there's one moment where she, she gets up in the middle of the night, you know, maybe to go to the bathroom or get a drink of water, and she hears something outside, and this is after they've all lost their voices. And she goes to the window because she hears someone moving, and she, like, looks out, and across the street she can see one of these gentlemen, but she can't really make it out. She just sees, like, a tall, thin person in the distance, and she gets closer to the window, and she leans in, and she kind of squints her eyes, and then all of a sudden, boom, like, one of the gentlemen crosses in front of the window, and he's just got, like, this huge, creepy, grilled-out smile, and, like, there's, like, a violin shriek in the background, and she jumps back, and, like, typically a character would, like, scream, but she can't scream, and that's the whole point. So that's how you know that, like, that's why they removed everyone's voices, or at least initially you think so that they can't scream or make sound. So no one can, you know, protest when they're being molested and having their heart stolen. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, of course me, like I'm watching this and I'm like, I want to know more. Give me the lore about the gentleman. And, uh, and you know, we find out that they're like a, like a fairy tale monster. And I'm like, Oh, I wonder if that's based off of a real fairy tale. I, I, I'm going to find that out. I'm going to go look that up. And so like the whole time I'm like, Oh, this is really interesting. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of goes through the natural course of, of what the structure of this episode would be. Like, there's nothing like abnormally structured about the episode, you know, it's like they figure out a way to, to, I, it's, it actually seemed like accidentally they were able to get their voices back. The other thing too, that, um, I come to realize is that, um, in between the last episode that I watched and this episode, we've moved down to college and Mm -hmm. somehow witchcraft has become a thing yeah so witchcraft has always been a thing since right. season one there's yeah. there's a witch there there's a season one episode called the witch um so we we know witches exist we know that giles can do some witchcraft in season two there's a character named jenny calendar who does witchcraft 
that's where Willow starts to get interested in it. So this has been building. Um, this, right. is, this is the first time we see something like super kind of big happen with witchcraft. But I mean, well, like not like uh, from from Willow, not in general, mm-hmm. but like from Willow, for something we really see like her super hardcore using her powers. That um, that's 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 been a slow burn for three seasons at at this point. Right. Yeah. So I, basically, I'm learning that like there's a whole lot of other stuff going on on the show that I'm not privy to, which from the perspective of this podcast, that's a good thing because that means that it's like literally generated an interest in me. And now I'm like, I want to know more what's going on in the world. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but also with the the gentleman, I'm like, I want to know what, what's going on with this. You know, how does this play out? Why are they like this? But I don't know if they ever actually go into any greater detail about what these creatures are. No, I don't think they really do. I think he's, he talked about it in interviews a little bit, but he was really just trying to make something that was chilling. Um, you know, but both both visually and and movement wise and everything, uh, Joss Joss Whedon has said that since the episode, he's uh, he's he's forty percent less mean to mimes <laughs> because a lot of the guys that were do that that were, that were playing the gentleman did come from a miming background, right? Which is why they're 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 so good at the little like precise creepy ass movements. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it, it was very much like a. It was a monster of the week episode. It was just one of the creepier ones. It was kind of in response and saying it was all dialogue. Um, almost every time that he's kind of gone off the rails and done one of these episodes, everybody's like, "What?" Like this one or "Once More with Feeling," the musical episode. He 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 said that he's always really surprised by the reception. Or like once once he sees it kind of come together, he's like, "Oh, that's even better than I thought it would be." Right. Um. I mean, I've. I've got several favorite moments from this episode. Like, I love it when the guys try to get in the elevator to go to the initiative yeah. and they go to use their voice code and they get to the bottom and she doesn't pay them like, yeah. really, guys? And she what? points to the use in case of emergency use stairs yeah. sign. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely did. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite parts, too, of the, of the episode is kind of like a little one-off but there's a guy selling dry erase boards in the street mm-hmm. for like 10 bucks a piece and I was like, look at that. Look at that, taking advantage of the crisis. There you go. Yeah. And, and then, of course, they both show up with them and dry all the time. So, yeah, yeah. gave the guy money. Right. Um, I also love, of course, the the uh, overhead projector scene where Giles is explaining what's happening is is classic. Right. And where, then, first of all, she's like, she's like, why'd you draw me like that? Look how I look. And yeah. then the, you know, steak masturbation joke. Yep, yep. That's a great um, one. Very funny. I like the part where um, Spike has just got some some blood out of a coffee oh, cup from the fridge, and he goes and takes yeah. a swig of it. And when he's drinking, you know, his face gets all vampy, gets the furrowed, angry vampire face, and um, he's got a little, you know, little dribble of blood on his on his on his mouth. And he like leans over, and Anya's asleep on the couch, but. Xander walks in, and at this point, Anya Xander's love interest, and Xander walks in, and all he sees is Anya passed out on the couch. And Spike all vamped out with blood all over his chin. And he like freaks out and he runs over and he just starts wailing on Spike because Spike can't fight back because he can't hurt people. And um, it kind of ties into earlier in the episode where Anya was kind of hassling Xander like, what are we? You know, are we just kind of like friends with benefits? Are we in a relationship? Do you care about me? And and like, you know, that's at this point that Xander realizes like, no, he's deeply invested in his relationship with Anya. He really loves her and he was willing to kill Spike because he thought that she he had hurt her. And so I like that part, too. Yeah, there's there are a lot of great moments in it. But honestly, it's just full of really awesome visuals. Also, but I have a special guest in my cat. Sorry. No, that's oh, no, that's any noise. I apologize. There's a cat on me now. Um, <laughs> he's He's the loud one too. I uh, I thought that it was uh, really interesting that the vengeance demon who was stripped of her power in the prom episode is now just like a regular character that someone's dating. Yeah, well, she she was stripped of her power in the wish, and then in the prom she shows up as Xander's date. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she pretty much makes him take her. Right. Yeah. Um, and she's like, yeah, now she's just a person. Right. She's like probably. Anya is probably my favorite character in the show. Like, yeah, she's definitely like, I will say Anya is my favorite character in all of Buffy. And I think it's just because like whatever that thing is, that filter that we all have that keeps you from saying stuff, she like never got it. Right. So she, she's always the person who tells it like it is, tells it like it, like it is. Am I saying that right? Yeah. And, um, and even like any opportunity I can get, if I'm ever playing the Buffy role playing game, I try to always get to play Anya because she's so fun. So. Emma Caulfield is just a, a delightful person in general. The actress who who, who plays her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had a lot of weird Buffy moments at Dragon Con this past year. Oh yeah. Uh, I yeah. So I was I was using the ser- the service elevator um in the dealer room because my parents have an art show table, so I I help out with it. And so because I was using the service elevator, it was also the elevator that Emma Caulfield, who plays Anya, and Nicholas Brendan, who plays Ander, were using. Oh wow. <laughs> they were there to promote the new Buffy board game. Uh huh. And so I I kept ending up in elevators with one or more of them. <laughs> To the point where I kind of looked at Nicholas Brendan on like Sunday and I was like, I'm not following you, I promise. Like, I, I swear to God, we just happened to be in the elevator at the same time. I know I'm being real weird. Um, and then also one of the um, artists, I cannot think of his name right now, but he's one of the Buffy comic artists. Um, he actually has one of the two on-screen glaives that was used in the season seven finale. Cool. And I got a picture with me holding it. And I was, I was like, it's like, oh, my God, I'm holding it. Oh, my God, I'm holding Buffy weapon. That's awesome. Because um, I'm a big Buffy nerd. Right. So, I have a really funny anecdote about Hush, though. Um, please tell. Before please we tell. Like wrap up. Yeah. So, like I said, I used to watch it every Tuesday night at eight o'clock with, with my mom. Um, and my my aunt, who at the time she was living in Atlanta, and my mom and I were in North Carolina. My 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 aunt watched it too, and so we're watching Hush. We're you know maybe twenty minutes in, maybe twenty five, um, and it goes to a commercial break. And right as it goes to a commercial break, the phone rings, and it's my aunt, and we're like, what? What's going on? Like, why are you calling us on a commercial break? You know, what's what's happening? And she she goes, my TV broke. I have no picture. I still got sound, but what good does that do me? <laughs> and I was like, oh no. <laughs> so yeah, her and of course this is before DVR. This right. is before this, anything. It's so, probably still like tube, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she ends up ending up like you know having to catch it in repeats like way later or i i, I think we just told her about it at first because it's yeah. just they're not going to re-air it that was the other bizarre thing for me and i think that anybody that goes back and watches these shows like when you watch the first couple of seasons i don't know if it changes like in the later seasons but these are all like standard definition like these are all yeah. three four you know they're yeah. they're like they're designed for not widescreen and it's it's bizarre to me to imagine that at some point, you know, not that long ago in my life, we were watching shows like this on giant freaking TVs. And to your point, you had to be at home at a certain time to watch it. <laughs> right. Yeah, that is still something that like now, I mean, anyone who's what, I don't know, eight, nine years younger than me will just never know that that at all. Right. Yeah. Um, that's which is why they've, they've, they've made the little micro generation for people like in our age range. That's like the, the X ex, Xennials mm-hmm. or we're not quite millennials. Cause we didn't grow up with all the technology. Uh, technically, but we're not quite generation X. I'm technically, I'm, I'm, I'm a very, very old millennial. I, I'm yeah. You, I, I'm, what, I think you, I'm the oldest. Do you mind me asking you Dixie, what year were you born? 85. So, so yeah. So actually yeah. I guess I'm a year older than you. So, yeah. Yeah, because I was born yeah. in 84. I, I honestly think like anybody born like, you know, in the first half of the 80s is kind of going to have the same level of experiences. Like my brother, he was born in 87 and he's like, he's, I don't think his experience is really much different than ours. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, my, my, my boyfriend was born in, in 79 and like we're still similar yeah. experience wise. Right. I mean, he's 39 and 33. Like every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll say something to which he'll be like, you're very young. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, <laughs> Actually, the other day he said that, and I kind of was like, I was like, I was like, it's not like I'm 25. And then I put my head down, and I was like, oh my god, I think 25 is very young. Right. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. No, I was <laughs> definitely getting older. I yeah. was talking to a, a friend of mine recently that I know through martial arts, and he's actually, um, he's 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 a gynecologist, and he's in his 50s. And I was talking to him because I was like, I was like, so I'm getting older. I'm like 34. I was like, if, if I had a kid in like the next couple of years, like what's, what's going on with that? And he's like, well, technically anything over 35, we call a geriatric pregnancy. And I was like, don't yeah. tell me that. Don't, don't tell me that. Like, don't, we don't need to use the word geriatric in reference to me in the same sentence, like ever. That's okay. So anyway, yeah. either way, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got to introduce you to Sunnydale. Nate. I yeah, am too. Totally. So I don't know what, but I'm going to have to volley something your way. Um, okay. but, but it would have to be something that I'm insanely into that you guys might not have the same level of interest. I don't know what that is yet. Um, yeah, we would definitely have to have you back on the podcast at some point. Yeah, that'd be fine. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to like try anything and, and be the, be the guinea pig one. Like, yeah, totally. We'll, we'll have to correspond a little bit and, uh, um, you know, Rachel and I will figure out like some things that 
you know, you guys are like, no, I'm totally dismissive of. And um, <laughs> I don't know what that is, because the one thing that we're finding is that while we have a lot of things that like both of us are are really into separate, there's a lot of stuff that overlaps, too. Like, right. Well, that's, that, that's why when she mentioned the podcast to me and kind of like format and, you know, we we're saying like you were the one who is going to be trying something kind of I was like, well, the things that I know I'm into that he's probably not would be like Buffy, Sailor Moon and something about, you know, makeup because that's <laughs> I, I work at Sephora part time. <laughs> like, but then again, I don't know how I'd, how I'd introduce you to that because that's kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. So it's like Buffy or Sailor Moon would be the only ones that I could really like immediately go like I'm super into this and I don't know if they are. Because past that, I mean, I'm sitting in front of a bookshelf full of role playing game books like I'm a big nerd. I've watched yeah. most sci-fi and horror type TV shows like I've, I've definitely seen Supernatural. I actually stuck with it to like season 10 and then I was like, no, this is actually terrible now. Why am I still watching this? <laughs> yeah. Or, um, or alternatively, we'll just do the same, but like with Rachel. Yeah. You guys will have to expose me to something maybe, which I think is totally possible. So um, we'll definitely uh, get back with you and, and have you on again in the future if you're open to it. Uh, yeah, I'd I think love to. one of my friends, actually my friend who exposed me to Buffy for the first time, she loves Buffy and she loves all things Joss Whedon, but she has like, she is the most passionate and knowledgeable Frasier fan I've ever met. Huh. She loves <laughs> Frasier. She can like I don't get it. So I think we're gonna have to get her to come on the podcast yeah. and expose us to Frasier. I'm sure she could like name off a dozen episodes we gotta watch right now. Yeah, I've 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 seen that like a lot when I was younger when it was just the thing you watched while you ate dinner or whatever when it <laughs> yeah. came on at six thirty. But like that's most of my exposure to most of those like 90s sitcoms yeah. right. like, friends Frasier, all those like it's it's what you watched while you ate dinner at my house exactly um, i think i think she's kind of um like a a tv writing nerd and so there's a lot of really good writing and and comedy writing in that and so that's that's why she digs it so that's much a, that's an interesting thing to like be focused on yeah that's... are you watching the good place no I'm not. Okay. So you said you like Parks and Rec in the in, in the office. Same right. showrunner as Parks and Rec in the office. Okay. So if you like those shows, you should be watching The Good Place. And that is another one that if you want to make that your thing, I will totally you can both watch it and then I'll come on and just nerd out with you about it. When when um, is that uh like what channel is that on? When is it on? Um, I think it's on NBC it's on Thursday nights. Um, but the first two seasons are on Netflix. Okay. Oh, um yeah. they just started season three. And if you have Hulu, season three is on Hulu. Okay. Well, or at least it is for me because I have Hulu Live TV because my roommates watch football on my account. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so like I I love The Good Place. They somehow managed to make a sitcom that is really really funny, but that is also somehow teaching people about ethics slowly. Nice. Like like actual like conversations about legit like ethics and morality. It's good that they took, was, took I'm the like, burden. I don't know how of, you did that? Yeah, it's good that they took the burden of that off of sci-fi. I feel. Like. <laughs> I feel like that's where people had to go do to get all their ethics and morals. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it, it, it's got Kristen Bell, it's got Ted Danson, it's hilarious. Oh, cool. All right, that's well, awesome. I think we're going to we're going to wrap this up, Dixie, if you wouldn't mind. Cool. Just hang tight for a few minutes cuz I want to just chat with you for like a minute or two after we wrap yeah. up the podcast. Um but thank you folks for listening yeah. and um if you have ideas for us to share from the pop culture milieu, um just shoot us a, a message, shoot us an email, find us on Twitter. Yeah. Um all of those things will be posted with the podcast. Totally. Um, and yeah. we've just to give you guys all a heads up, some episodes that we have coming up. Um, definitely, uh, we're going to be um, reviewing very soon. I'm consuming as we speak, or at the moment, as you're listening to this, I'm probably reading The Gunslinger, the first the first in the Dark Tower series. Mm -hmm. And then very soon, Nate and I will be going to see the Rocky Horror Show. Not the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but the Rocky Horror Show, which Nate has never seen before. Oh. Uh, he's seen the Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show, but never the Rocky no, Horror Show. I've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I watched... Um, he has like a problem with musicals. Eight minutes of it, and I was like, no, you can turn this off. And that was basically all I ever gave it. So I'm, I'm going to do something I don't want to do because I really want to... You know, I I want to I want to formulate my judgments like and, and actually experience it. Right. So. And then we both um, traded a couple graphic novels that we're both reading, too. So we'll be talking about those in an upcoming podcast. A fun idea I had mm -hmm. just earlier today. Halloween is coming up very soon. Mm -hmm. I thought we could have a special Halloween edition of the Playing Hooky podcast where we both take our favorite Halloween movies and we just chat about them. Maybe we watch them. Maybe we chat about nice. them. Nice. Um, and, uh, and, and 
I, I'm assuming we've both seen a lot of horror movies, so there's a good chance that whatever you pick and whatever I pick, the other person would have seen before. That's but okay. I think it would be good to maybe just go over some some horror movies that we like or Halloween movies. Sounds good. All right, cool. So that's what's coming up in the future for your guys's uh, aural pleasure over the month of November and later October. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. So before we go, Dixie, um, this is a podcast. Do you have anything you would like to promote? <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously, onyxpaths.com. That's where I, we make books and we put the books that we make. Um, my personal Twitter is Dixie Cyanide. Um, and I'll say the Onyx Pathcast is the Onyx Paths podcast. If you want to hear us kind of have similar kinds of conversations, just mostly related to role playing games and, you know, th- things of that nature. Uh, that's me, Eddie Webb, and Matthew Dawkins, and it's a lot of fun. Also, come see me at PAX Unplugged awesome. in December. Awesome. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you, Dixie, and uh, thank, you. thank you, Rachel. You're very welcome. And until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye. Hey, folks. This is Rachel from UtilityMuffinLabs.com. If you enjoyed the Playing Hooky podcast, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, videos, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter, at Hooky Podcast, on Instagram and Facebook at our Utility Muffin Labs name, and support us on YouTube at Utility Muffin Labs. Check out our other gaming-related podcasts, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade and the Nerd Words Podcast. Thank you all for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.